0: Do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. get out your Bibles, digital or analog, and turn to 1 John chapter 4. And then while you're turning there, uh, a few years ago, actually back in 2015, in fact, the older I get when I say a few years ago, it turns out it's been a lot longer than a few years ago. But back in 2015, there was this, um, this meme that started to go around that literally kind of sent the internet like in an uproar. And it was a picture of this dress right here. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, for some reason, again, depending on uh, either your, your vision or your perspective or your screen, when this dress came up and you saw, you would either see it as white and gold or blue and black or purpley and black, depending on your perspective. And people were in an uproar, man. They were fighting over this thing. They were saying, no, that dress is white and gold. No, it's purple and black. And people were going back and forth saying, you know what? No, I see it this way. This is the way it is. No, I see it this way. This is the way it is. And the question was, what color was this dress really? And my question was, who cares, all right? Like who in the world actually cared what color this dress originally was? But see, the question was again, who was right? Whose perception was reality? Whose perception was actually truth? Church, we're living in a world right now where what is true is in question. We're living in a world right now where even to try to find the truth, to hold on to the truth, it can be mentally exhausting. During the Cold War, The Russian government coined this term desinformatia, which it means it was what they coined to actually identify and push forward their strategy to put spies in places all around the world during the Cold War. And to spread these lies and half-truths that would actually produce this disinformation all around the world and especially to cause confusion and leadership in the West. The KGB literally flooded the world with lies, in part to spread some propaganda, but also to produce confusion. There was this, um, this chess player, world champion who used to live in Russia, who wanted to promote democracy in Russia, ended up leaving, is now exiled in Croatia. His name is Gary Kasparov. And he says this, okay? He says this about what the Russian government was trying to do and the KGB was trying to do, and he talks about the main point of modern propaganda. And tell me that what he said back then is still not true right now about the cultural moment that we're in. He says the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. Look, there is a goal. There is a push. There is an agenda right now in our culture to misinform, but it's also to overwhelm our minds with information and disinformation so that the pursuit of truth becomes something that is difficult. But church, right now, The pursuit of truth is more important now than ever. Look, all this summer, we've been going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse in 1 John, looking at this this incredible letter that John wrote to these first century churches in Ephesus. And John was writing to these churches so that they may know that they have eternal life, so they can have this confidence that they actually are in a relationship with Jesus He was writing them to know that even with the growing persecution that was around them, that they can know that they are children of God. And he was writing them so that they may know whether or not they're actually being deceived or even led astray by false teachers, to know what it is that Jesus was calling them to do. See, the people in these churches, they were living under this growing persecution from Emperor Domitian, who actually claimed that he was God. They were living under false teachers who were outside the church and even inside the church saying that Jesus wasn't God. And they were also living in just first century pagan culture in Rome. And in fact, in first century pagan culture in Rome, they had these temples, especially right where they were in Ephesus that were dedicated to the goddess Artemis and the goddess Artemis like it's been found in archeology span that Um, these idols that represent her, actually had these inscriptions on it saying that Artemis is a savior. It actually said that Artemis was a god that you were supposed to pray to. And apparently Artemis was a god that would also make you very fertile. And so with all this growing persecution from this emperor named Domitian who said he was God, man, with these other ideologies and philosophies such as docetism and even Gnosticism, in fact, docetism actually says... Um, it was this idea that was being pushed around that Jesus himself was just a man that was born. Then at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came and landed on Jesus, empowered him to do the things that he did, and then once Jesus got to the cross, the Holy Spirit left him. So Jesus wasn't fully God and fully man. He was just a man, and then this weird God mixture at some point, and then just a man again. Or this idea of Gnosticism, which was actually promoted by Plato, And Plato said that pretty much anything in the material world, any matter, any physical forms are evil. So there was this false ideology coming in the church that said that, hey, Jesus, there's no way in the world he could have actually had a body. Because if he did, he was part of the material world. If he had a body, he was evil. And so can you feel just some of the tension of these ideologies and persecutions that were coming up against the church in the first century that they had to wrestle with. Because look, is Artemis savior or is Christ? Who answers prayers? Is it Artemis or is it Christ? Who is it that's really God? Is it this emperor that's declaring literally by law that you worship him as God? Or is it this Jesus who said, He is God. Look, the pursuit of what was true and holding on to the truth was so important for this first century church. With this growing persecution and especially with this this time of growing confusion about Christ that was trying to creep into the church. Let me just say, church, the pursuit of truth is still important for us today. Well, today, we're going to see that John strongly challenges these churches. And again, he's challenging us today to test what is true, to know what is true, and to confess what is true, not just in word, but literally with our lives. Look how John begins this section of his letter in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. He says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. But we, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray together. Father God, as we go through your word, as we look again at this incredible passage, this book of the Bible in 1 John as this church was wrestling with these tensions and these ideologies and philosophies and these ways of culture that were trying to diminish who Christ was, who was trying to mix up what the gospel taught, as they were clinging to the truth, and as John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, challenged them to cling to the truth and to discern what is true, God, may we do the same. God, in our culture today, right now in 2023, Lord, help us to cling to what is true. God, help us to know what is true. Lord, you even said that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. So God, I even pray for the person today who's maybe been living a lie, believing a lie. God, if any of us are, God, would you reveal the truth so we can find freedom in the gospel, freedom in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look, church, when we're talking about truth, okay, the first point I'm going to give you, you're going to think that this is something I spent a lot of time on thinking about. When I give you this first point, you're going to think it's something that I've done for weeks and months and I've studied. I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to think it's so profound, okay? But write this down, number one. Here's number one. To know the truth, you have to know the truth. To know the truth, you actually have to know what is true, you have to know the truth. Listen to how John starts his section again in verse one. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, John is challenging the churches to test the spirits and he says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. That phrase right there, gone out into the world, indicates that there were some people who were inside the church who began to believe these philosophies and ideologies, and now they are out there spreading these half-truths, these misinformation, this disinformation about Christ. And John is challenging the people who remain, who are still in the church, to not just take what you hear at, at face value, but instead to test the spirits, In other words, when you hear a teaching, a preaching, a proclamation, something that people are saying are doctrinally certified, that you would see if this is really from God or if it's from someone else. And this is not just a call for pastors and preachers and teachers, but everyone who would say that they are in Christ, that they have the spirit of God, that you would test the spirits to see if it is true. Look, church, we've said it like this from time to time around here, because this is so important to remember. Look, what God has created, Satan will counterfeit and corrupt. What God has said, Satan is going to try to take it and spin it. I can't remember which news broadcaster it was or which um, um, news channel had this thing called the no spin zone. uh, Where whenever they would bring on some type of political pundit or um, some type of person, um, they would bring them on there and then what they would try to do is not get that person to spin the truth they would try to get that person to admit the truth. Because we know that a lot of times, like people would try to spin the truth, maybe especially in politics, right? So on this thing called the no spin zone, what they were trying to do is get them to admit what was actually true, rather than trying to get you to spin around, disorient you mentally. And then once you start to realize where you are, start to get you to land on whatever quasi version of the truth that they actually had or what they were trying to say. And in our culture today, Satan is still a master corrupter, but he's also a master spinner of what God has said to be true. But it's nothing old. It's nothing new. Satan has been doing this from the very beginning, even in the garden with Eve when he said, did God really say? He's been trying to spin the truth of God's word. And we need to know what it is that is true. We need to know the truth. And John says, Look, test the spirits, see if they are from God, knowing what God has said, actually knowing his word. And then he goes on to say this in verse 2. He says, By this you know the spirit of God. Look, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming. And now it's in the world already. Look, when we're talking about knowing the truth, okay, a couple of things that I really want you to remember today. The first thing is that truth still matters today. Look, truth is not based purely on feeling or relativity or even your truth or even my truth. But truth still matters today. Uh, there's this lawyer, Christian apologist, this author named Abdu Murray. And I'm going to read you this long series of quotes, but he actually talks about this cultural moment that we're in right now. And he talks about this marker that actually happened a few years ago that I really, helps, I really think will help us define like where we are right now in our culture. So I'm going to read, usually I don't read all these long block quotes, but stay with me, okay? But follow along and listen to what he says. And tell me again, does this not identify where our culture is right now in 2023? Look, abdul Mary says this. He says, he says, the Oxford Dictionaries selected post-truth as 2016's word of the year. The Oxford Dictionaries annually select a word that captures the cultural's current mood and also preoccupations. And post-truth does exactly that. According to Oxford Dictionaries, post-truth means this relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Post-truth has two modes, he goes on to say. The first is a soft mode, by which I mean that we may acknowledge that truth exists or that certain things are true, but we don't care about the truth if it gets in the way of our personal preferences. First, in this soft mode of post-truth, the truth exists objectively, but our subjective feelings and opinions matter more. And he says the second mode is a hard mode, by which I mean a willingness to actually propagate, propagate blatant falsehoods, knowing they're false, because doing so serves a higher political or social agenda. Look, church, right now, are you living in post-truth or the truth? Look, our feelings, our emotions, and our experiences do matter, but they are not the Lord of us. We are not led by or driven by what we feel or our emotions. Jesus is the Lord and leader of our lives. So even right now, are you living with post-truth or are you living with the truth? Right now in your life, is there something that you've been thinking, feeling, or even doing where your emotions or your feelings have begun to lead you and even guide you instead of what God has said in his word? Is there something right now where you've heard or you've been thinking or feeling that you're actually propagating falsehoods according to either a political or either a social agenda that's complete opposite of what God has said in his word? And let's make it even just a little bit more personal in your relationships, in your relationships, actually in your home. Is there something that you've been thinking or feeling that's opposite of what God has said in his word that you are letting lead you in this season? Come on, last week we talked about how important it is to love one another and to forgive one another. But right now, have your feelings, the way that you've been treated, cause you to cause that actually lead how you're treating other people in your home right now. Look, are you actually propagating these falsehoods and the lie that happiness actually matters more than holiness in your household right now? Look, church of truth, it still matters today. Look, we don't propagate blatant falsehoods in our words or actions. It says we live and we move and we breathe by the truth of the word of God. But see, truth is also confessing the gospel. Not only does it still matter today, not only do we have to know the truth, but it's also confessing the gospel with our lives. And again, look what he says here in verse 2. He says, by this you know the spirit of God. And look, he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Man, do you even see here how John is clinging to the truth? He's saying that every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And remember, he's tearing down these other ideologies these cultural philosophies that have been trying to come into the church saying Jesus wasn't really God. He didn't really have a body. He was this weird phantom guy or maybe this weird mixture of half man at one point, half God at some point. But he's saying, no, Jesus is God. He has come in the flesh. And he says, look, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of antichrist. You know, for some reason, the word confess really stood out to me as I was preparing for this message. And that word confess right there simply means to declare publicly it's confession. And what John is confessing to the church right here and reminding them of is that, look, God has an agenda and he has an agenda. And he's reminding the church, he's confessing to the church and trying to get them to confess that, look, the agenda is to confess the gospel, that Jesus really did come into the flesh, died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He's he's making to them and reminding them of this great confession that they are to have. He's telling them about his agenda and, of course, about God's agenda as well. Church, can I just tell you that we at Coastal, we have an agenda. Can I confess to you that our agenda is to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ? And we wanna develop, that word develop simply means that we want everyone to be able to take these steps to grow to become an authentic follower of Jesus. And again, not perfect, but in process. Not perfect, but man, confessing these things to God when we desperately need him, when we messed up, when, we're, when, we, when we've gotten it wrong, not hypocritical, but authentic. And develop simply means look, we want you to take these steps That's why we say, look, we want you to connect to God in corporate worship. So every single week, look, whether if you are alive and if you're not sick or in the hospital, man, we want to challenge you that you will come and connect to God in corporate worship every single Sunday, to gather with the other believers, to worship the Lord through singing, to worship the Lord in prayer, worship the Lord in giving, worship the Lord in the studying of his word. That's why we challenge everyone to grow together in community through small groups. Look, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but you are not meant to do this life alone. Sometimes you think you're the only one who's going through what you're going through, but you are not alone. And God did not design you to go through this life on your own, but he wants you to grow in community with others through small group. That's how we challenge people to serve in ministry and in mission. And serving in ministry is serving right here inside the walls of the church. And serving in mission is serving on the outside of the walls of the church. And look, if you are in this church, if you say this is your church, look, we want every single member to go on a missions trip. And if it's been several years that you've been overseas, like serving people, man, we want to challenge you that you will go on a mission trip. In fact, next year, I'm probably going to Kenya and Puerto Rico. So if you want to join me, hey, come on, let's go. But how crazy is it that someone would actually take vacation time to go and serve other people to share the gospel? But look, we want to be a church that as we develop as authentic followers of Jesus, man, we see the big picture of what God is doing in the world. But see, we also want to multiply. We want to develop disciples that make disciples. Look, what God has done for us is not just for us. And we want everyone to be thinking, who else can I pour into? Who else can I mentor And disciple to share the good news about Jesus. Who else can I mentor and disciple so they too can experience this incredible life-changing love of Christ? And then we want to plant healthy churches that also plant healthy churches. We want to multiply what God has done in our church because the the local church we really do believe is the hope of the world. Jesus said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand." Against it, And God has chosen his church to build his kingdom. He's chosen his church to show the world of his incredible love and the hope that is in Christ. Look, that's what we confess every single week here at this church. But there's something else I wanted to confess that we do in our agenda that we have. I want to confess to you and proclaim to you and remind you and confess to you and remind you and proclaim to you the gospel that this Jesus is God. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. He bodily rose from the dead. Look, we proclaim the gospel every single week because it still matters. It's the main thing that we need to hear to continue to make it through this life, the truth that is in the gospel. Look, right now we live in this post-truth world. And in this post-truth world, look, people are trying to achieve. Look, they're trying to achieve salvation. They're trying to achieve forgiveness. They're even trying to achieve their own identity. And that is so much pressure for somebody to put on themselves. In fact, any other world religion says that when, when it comes right down to for forgiveness, salvation, your identity, you have to achieve it. You have to try to earn it. But the gospel, who Jesus is, following him. Look, Christianity is the only religion that says that you don't have to do because it's already been done. You don't have to achieve. You need to receive. This Jesus, who is God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And what do you do with the gospel? You repent of your sin. You believe this good news about Jesus and you receive. You don't achieve you receive this life to the full that Jesus wants for you. You know, when we started this series a few weeks ago, I asked the question, church, is your faith real? And again, not just 40 years ago when you went to VBS, not just a few years ago when you went to summer camp. And after that evening session, you were under the stars by the lake and you felt like God was so real in your life. And those moments are incredible and wonderful. But is your faith real right now? Look, we have a faith that is rooted in history, but it isn't just some facts and figures. We have a faith that is supernatural. Come on, God is transcendent. He's so far above. He's so holy. He's so pure, but yet he wants to be imminent. He wants to be close to you. He desires a relationship with you. We have a faith that's not based in falsehoods, but it's based in the gospel. Look, this truth, it still matters today. But see, church truth is also discerning when the church gets it wrong. Look, we need to know the truth of the gospel. We need to confess the gospel with our lives. We need to know what is true to know the truth. You have to actually know the truth. But see, truth is also discerning even when we get it wrong. You know, John says, look, many false teachers have gone out into the world Some may have come from actually inside the church. And again, sometimes we do get it wrong. Now, let me tell you here what John is not saying. Look, John is not saying that you should not have faith in your leaders in the church or not respect the church leaders or submit to their authority that God has placed in them for his church. But he's saying, look, we need to know the truth so we can discern the truth. So pastor included, If I start saying weird things up up here, okay, like you need to worship pizza or something like that. If I start saying weird things, look, your spiritual spidey senses should go off and be like, hey, there's something wrong about what you're saying, pastor. And what John is even saying here, look, like when we're discerning the truth, that means that you actually need to confront someone, a preacher, a teacher, a small group leader. If they're saying something completely opposite of what God has said, you can have the courage and the confidence to confront them. In fact, one of the things, again, I love about our church is that, look, guys, I'm not a pastor in some sort of ivory tower. I don't like walk off stage and go into my Lexus in the back. Um, In fact, my cars are often broken. Like I don't walk off stage and do any of that, but we have it where, look, look, no one is above anybody here, but man, we do respect the spiritual authority that God has given. But remember, look, if you ever see something or hear something that I'm saying, you can have the courage and the confidence that you can come and talk to me. You can appeal to the elders, the church leadership. Like we want to, people who are constantly discerning the truth and guarding the gospel. That's who we are as a church. And so it's the same thing for each and every one of us. Look, if you hear people saying weird stuff that are opposite of the word of God, you can you can approach them in love to say, you know what? Man, that doesn't line with God's word. Like, let's talk about it. Let's pray about it as well. But John says, look, even when we get it wrong, it's so important for us to be able to confront and even encourage each other other to lean back toward the truth. And then number two, the Spirit of God in you is greater than any spirit from the world. The Spirit of God that is in you is greater than any spirit, any ideology, any wave of culture that is out in the world. And listen to again what he says here in verse four. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He says they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. But he says we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us, and by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's a couple quick thoughts. So when we're talking about the spirit of God, In you, being greater than any spirit in the world, the first thing is, look, every spirit should be submitted to the Holy Spirit. And again, when we're using that word spirit here, the way that John used it, it's these philosophies, ideologies, cultural norms that are coming out. Look, everything that's out there, look, it should be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Again, if God has said it, if he has declared it, if it's in his word, again, we submit that to the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus even said in John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, look, when the spirit of truth comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, he says, he will guide you in all truth. So every spirit should be submitted to the Holy Spirit. But see, also spirit, every spirit of antichrist is anti-Christ. Again, I told you I was gonna give you some profound statements today. Every spirit that is antichrist of the Antichrist is Antichrist. And again, John says in verse three, he says, look, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is from God, this spirit is of the Antichrist, which is denying who Jesus is, denying the deity of Christ. Look, any other philosophy, religion, cultural norm that is pushing against what Jesus has revealed about himself, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Man, Jesus Himself even said, He said, Look, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Anything that says anything against that is the spirit of Antichrist. But then also remember when we're talking about the Spirit of God being greater in you than any spirit from the world. Look, every truth from God will overcome every truth from the world. Look, every single truth from God will overcome every truth. From the world. He says, By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, the reference to the spirit of error here is a reference to what John was talking about earlier when he was talking about the actual works of Satan, like trying to tear down the believer. So every single spirit, every single truth from God will overcome every single truth from the world. But something that really stood out to me about this verse right here. This section right here is in verse four. Look back at verse four, okay? He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. And again, this this is a powerful reminder that in Christ, we will overcome. Again, no matter what it is you're going through, Uh, No matter what's happening out in the rest of the world, in Christ, you will overcome because of the Holy Spirit in you, guarding you, taking you from now until eternity. God doing that, sanctifying, working you that we've been talking about. He says that if you are from God, he says you have overcome. But then he says, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, how many of you guys have heard that verse before, Right? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've heard that verse before. Um, You know, I've heard that verse before. And I I think a lot of times we will often read that verse. And again, I don't don't think anybody's taking it out of context or misinterpreting or adding to God's word. I think oftentimes we read that verse is that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But John says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Look, John is not talking about individuals right there. He's not saying, Greater is he that is in you, Anna Segri, or Greater is he that is in you, Bob Howe, or Greater is he that is in you, Brian Bolger. But what he's saying is, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. See, it's plural, it's communal. And what John is trying to remind this church of is that you really do need one another. You need to love one another. You need to pray for one another. And sometimes we think there's something in our lives that we want to overcome. He says, look, you've overcome them and we're trying to overcome it because we've been trying to do it solely on our own. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Many of you guys know, like if, if you've been coming to this church for a while, one of the, um, one of the, the struggles, the uh, temptations, uh, the sins, even the idols that I often run back to is food. Oftentimes I treat food as my little G God. And especially when I'm going through seasons of stress or confusion, I often will run to it for comfort, even for a little bit of hope in a season. And this struggle that i 've had like to to be healthier and to and to head in the right direction um, is one of those idols that I keep picking up and There was a few months ago where mark um, Stevenson, who's our drummer extraordinaire right here in this pink shirt on the front on the second row, uh, Mark Stevenson right in April is a very stressful, very stressful season in my life, and church again, if i 'm being honest with you, I was probably um, eating more during that season than I should have. Again, immediately going to that for comfort, for hope, even for a little bit of peace, instead of immediately going to God first. And so in April, Mark Stevenson sends me a text. And he says, hey, I'm thinking about starting this, um, this group with a couple guys from the church where we're gonna be doing um, some weights and some CrossFit style stuff. And he says, I would love for you to join us I remember when I first got the text from him, this is how I read it, even though he didn't say this. I thought he said, hey, tubby, you look like you need to work out. Let me help you, okay? And I know he didn't say that, but that's what it initially sounded like. And then right during that moment, church, I started to think, okay, what are all the excuses I can make like to not do this group that's gonna happen? But I remember in that moment, like thinking, okay, this has been a challenge for me. And it's like, sometimes I'll take, three steps forward and five steps back. I'll go through these season where I'm working out every single day, but then I'll work out once a month. And I thought this could be the accountability from one another that I need to be able to turn the corner and to overcome. And so I said to him, I was like, look, before I can say no, I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. Before I knew about wall ball and uh, this five different types of squats apparently you're supposed to be doing. Before I knew that grown men still do jump ropes. Before I knew any of that, I said, I'm going to say yes before I can say no. And church, we've been doing it now for a a few weeks. And I I, I feel like, okay, and you can keep me accountable on this. I feel like, man, there's been a switch that has turned in my life when it comes to actually working out and heading a healthy direction. And see, so many times, like I used to think, okay, this is all on me because, right, greater is heat is in me than heat is in the world. I can overcome this by myself. But maybe even with you, you thought that. You thought greater is heat is in me than heat is in the world. Again, there's nothing wrong with that because God in you is greater than anything out there in the world. The Lord does help you overcome, but God has said that he's designed us to be with one another. And that thing in your life right now that maybe you have not been able to overcome is because you have not submitted it to one another. And there's something, the way that God has designed it is that collectively as a church, as we pray for one another, hey, as we challenge one another, as we serve one another, as we correct one another, as we even rebuke one another, as we encourage one another, there's something in that, that the power of God is manifested. So maybe you've been reading the verse wrong. And maybe you need to see it as greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because greater is he that is in you than any antichrist. Greater is he that is in you than any false teacher, anything that the world would have to offer. Greater is he that is in you than any attack of the enemy. Greater is he that is in you that will help you overcome whatever it is that you're going through. You know, I was really, really captured by that this week in this verse, but I was also really captured by the word confess. And to think in the original language it means to proclaim publicly, to declare, to profess some things, to confess some things, to say it publicly, to declare what the truth is. So I thought I would close out this message by giving you three things to confess. So write these down, okay? Number one, if the Lord has said it, I submit to it. Again, what is true? No matter what is changing around us, again, it's still nothing new. It just has a new coat on or a new set of tires, a new paint job. It's the same philosophies and ideologies that Satan has been trying to spin from the beginning. But we're going to be a church that confesses with our lives that if the Lord has said it, I'm going to submit to it. Number two, I choose Christ over culture. Again, no matter what wave of culture happens, even if everyone and their mom is doing it, we're going to choose Christ over culture. And then number three, the presence of Christ in me. Now, if it still says me in your notes, I want you to scratch that out. Because again, remember, it isn't just me, it's you, it's us. The presence of Christ in us is greater than the pressure of the world outside of us. So we wanna confess this with our lives. We wanna declare this not just in word, but with our very lives. All right, so as a worship team comes back to the stage, Church, we're going to do this right now, okay? So I want everyone going to stand up. And if you need your little note sheet right there, we're going to confess this. We're going to profess it out loud together. So everyone stand up um, if you're able to. And let's say these out loud together, okay? So church, what are we going to do? Number one, if the Lord has said it, I submit to it. And again, no matter what happens, no matter what ideology comes in your life, if the Lord has said it, we are going to submit to that. We're not gonna propagate falsehoods with our lives. We're not gonna propagate falsehoods in our relationships in this post-truth world. If the Lord has said it, we're going to submit to it. And number two, let's say it out loud together. I choose Christ over culture. And again, even if there are literal laws that say the opposite, If Christ has said it, if he's declared it, we will choose him over what the culture says. And then the last one, let's say it out loud together. The presence of Christ in us is greater than the pressure of the world outside of us. You are going to face pressure from the outside. But Christ in you, in me, in us, is greater than any pressure anything from outside the world. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you Lord for your word. And God, today we confess that Jesus is God. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He bodily rose from the dead. God, we confess that Jesus was not an apparition or a ghost or an ideology, but he was the God man. The perfect sacrifice for our sins, what we needed. God, even though we didn't know we needed him, God, we needed Christ to come. But we thank you, God, that you've made a way, that we repent when we repent and believe that we don't have to achieve our salvation, but God, we get to receive it. God, we confess today that that is the truth. But Lord, we confess today too as well that if you have said it, Lord, we're gonna submit to it. Again, Lord, no matter what our feelings are telling us, no matter what our emotions or our experience have told us, Lord, if you have said it, Lord, we are going to submit to it. Not just here on Sunday mornings, but Lord, in our homes. God, we're going to choose you, Jesus. We profess, we confess that we would choose Christ over culture. God, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. So we choose you over culture. But God, we also confess, God, that we can't do this life on our own. And yes, Lord, greater is he that is in us, in me. But Lord, we need one another. So God, help us, Lord, to be a church that really does love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, challenge one another, exhort one another, God, because greater is It's he that is in all of us together, Lord, exhorting one another to do the things that you've called us to do, than anything or anyone that's in the world. Lord, you said this is how we overcome. So help us, Lord, to overcome with one another and with your spirit leading the way. Lord, this is the truth. This is the way. This is the life. We love you, God. In Jesus' name.